Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Before we roll the audio on this PFT Live podcast, we want you to know that Mike Florio does an afternoon podcast. Why? To catch all the late-breaking news and developing stories in the NFL, of course. So you got to subscribe to PFT PM as well. Go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Art19, or Google Play. Search PFT PM and subscribe. Boom. Done. Thanks for the support. Now, stats for another hour of the PFT Live podcast. Thursday edition Pro Football Talk Live, NBC Sports Radio, NBCSN. Hello to our good friends in the UK and in Ireland enjoying the program on Sky Sports. He's Chris Sims. I'm Mike Florio. For me, it's Thursday. For the rest of you, it's Thursday. For Christopher, it's Friday. Oh, Every yeah. Every day feels like Friday for you. Well, why? Why does it always feel like Friday? Because I'm just a happy, good guy. That's happy, why? Go yes, lucky. then you're right. Then it's all Friday. I'm happy and go lucky. I don't I just think kind my- of a big doofus that isn't stressed out by anything. It just kind of blows through life. And I mean that as, as a compliment. Thank it's you. kind of nice to not be weighed down by the crap that the rest of us are carrying around. You just uh, you process uh, stress and adversity to the extent you ever experience either very well, well except when you have to travel. When yeah. you have to travel, that's a different story. <laughs> but other than that, uh, and especially when you get put in a hotel you don't like, oh, yeah, my gosh. Right. But other than that, other than that, you're you're uh, you're very well adjusted. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I think my wife would disagree. You know, unfortunately, I'm like that kind. I'm that husband that's you know really good to everybody and polite all day, and then I come home and I just unleash it all as far as my complaints or the things that bothered me during the day, and then she has to hear all that crap. So she'd probably disagree with you a little bit, but I uh, I try to be try to be even keeled and not bothered by that stuff. All right. Well, we're always looking to improve in any way that we can in our households, in our workplaces, or wherever. And the NFL has an urgent need to improve its officiating function as legalized gambling spreads. At some point, it's going to be a real issue for the NFL. If incompetence happens too many times, people begin to believe that it's not incompetence, that it's corruption, and you can't have that. 
as there are more and more states and more and more people gambling hard-earned money because at some point you're going to have Congress or you're going to have a prosecutor. You're going to have problems. You're going to have issues. You're going to have questions. So you've got to improve your officiating function. And earlier this week, ESPN.com pointed out that there could be an overhaul of the officiating function, and it could entail an effort to bring back something. And this is something we've discussed in the past, nothing against Al Riveron, but it could entail an effort to bring back Dean Blandino to oversee the replay review process, uh, presumably at a minimum, the replay review process, and to be that public face and voice explaining close calls, controversial calls, replay review decisions with something more meaningful than just stating the obvious. And again, I mean, I'll respect to Al Riveron, but a lot of times the videos, Chris, that we see on social media after a controversial call is made just states the obvious bottom line conclusion. It doesn't get into the details of why they reached the decision they did. Blandino is very good at that. He is. He's very good at handling replay review. Right. And you could continue replay review of pass interference calls and non-calls with Blandino because he would set a bar, we would know what the bar is, and he would stick to it all year long, as opposed to last year where that bar moved. It seemed like every other week we had a different standard, and uh, we ultimately didn't know what was going to happen. Do, do, do we blame do, Al for oh, that, though, play. or do we blame the NFL for the fact that the bar was moving? You know, that's where – I don't well, know. I think it's I'm both. asking you. I think it's both. I think it's both. I think if the NFL had faith in Al Riveron to apply a standard, a clear standard, they would have set a clear standard, and that would have been applied. I think it's a combination of – and this goes back to the catch-no-catch no catch, debacle from 2017 yeah but remember who's the zach miller is that the bears tight end that yes had the touchdown right that had the nasty and, leg and, injury and yes to, to bring back the concept of proprioception the idea that maybe that's why it happened you have a tour it all shot your your uh your your body's, your body's not aware of the where rest it is of the world and, right. and you hit the ground and you didn't know you were gonna hit the ground and and it's the last play of his career and he had a touchdown catch and it was taken away based on i don't know what yeah. i still don't know how that was overturned right that was the first warning sign that that Dean Blandino has a very high level of skill when it comes to replay review and others don't. And I think that if they had more faith in Al Riveron uh, as the decision maker for replay review, we wouldn't have seen the, the bar getting shifted all over the place all year last year. So I think if it's Blandino, it's one bar. And, and, and also, I think Blandino <laughs> has the chops to push back against whoever it is that's trying to get him to move the bar. Right. Sure. If somebody tries to tell him to move the bar. He's going to say, no, we got to leave it where it is. Not OK, whatever you say, boss. And I think that's part of his value as well. If the NFL can get over the fact that Blandino bolted for Fox just that they had put in place this replay review process that was tailor made for him. So there's going to have to be. Well, some that's their fault to unruffle. Well, that's right. But you know how Hey, this yeah, is how right. This is how corporate America works. And this is this is human nature. You're going to have some people who are uh, a little uh, a little miffed. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to kiss the ring. You're gonna have to do certain things. You, you know, to undo the damage. But forget about that. Do what's right for the game. And what's right for the game is if you want to keep replay review of pass interference, you gotta you gotta upgrade the uh, the the person who's making those decisions. And again, I, I hate saying that, but it's true. We got to be honest with the audience. We got to be honest with ourselves. And the NFL has to be honest with itself. Um, you get Blandino back. You're going to solve a lot of your officiating problems right out of the gate. Yeah, well, I, I hear that. I mean, I'm a big fan of Dean Blandino. I really am. Yes, he handled that job perfectly. He's great on TV. He's got a great way of communicating about about him as well. Hey, Al Riveron, I, I, I don't dislike what he's done either. Yeah, the perception is like, okay, maybe that he's a little inadequate. I also think he was put in a really tough, tough position by the NFL too. An almost no-win type situation. And 
And, you know, as far as Dean Blandino goes in the NFL and, yeah, him skirting to Fox like you talked about, like, hey, NFL, I mean, if you knew this was a big year with the replay review and all these type of things that were coming about, throw out the money so guys don't do that. That doesn't make sense. Let me ask you this. Hey, Chris, what, Chris, let yeah, me say this, though. Right. Dean Blandino told me that. On the PFTPM podcast, December 2017, the NFL does not value that position the way that it should. And it's not just replay review and answering questions on radio shows and podcasts and TV shows. It's supervising the officials, too. They need to carve that job out. They need to pay it more, value it more, understand it's the most important job in the league office during football season. More important than the commissioner is the person who is running replay review and explaining it to the rest of us. Yeah. So they need to value that job more and make the job just that. Go yeah. ahead. Well, no, yeah, and uh, you're right. I mean, I, they they are. I mean, you're right. They that's what they do need to do. Uh, you know, the the thing that I always come back to too. You know, especially in this era right now where you've talked about it. You know, the legal gambling. You know, fantasy football, we're in the era of conspiracy theories. I mean, it, no matter what happens, there's a cons conspiracy theory now because of social media and everything's a setup. Like, would you be in favor of this? You know, I, I, would, I would like to have a team. Why can't it be Al Riveron, Dean Blandino, and why can't they call back Mike Pereira and get all three of them there? I would feel really comfortable as a viewer, an ex-player, a fan of the sport, a guy that works in the media right now. If I knew those three guys were up there on Sundays working together, I would go, damn. You know, it might not be perfect, but there's going to be a lot of logic and understanding here, and there's a thought process, and these guys know what they're doing, and that would make me feel really good as a gambler if I'm that type of guy or anything else that's involved that way with the NFL to say, you know what, these are three guys that really know their stuff. They're all over it. They got good integrity, everything about it. Why not sell that to the to the masses this day and age with, with legal gambling and all the money that the NFL is going to get? get from that yeah and Chris Sean Payton the Saints coach has already floated that as a solution for these pass interference replay reviews and he's a member of the competition committee have three people who are yeah. making those decisions and basically they all have to turn the key right right here's the problem though here's my concern because we have to factor how human dynamics will will potentially influence this you could have some horse trading going on. Like, I'm going to agree with you on this one, even though I really don't want to, but you got to agree with me on the next one. You know, I don't want that to infect the process. But anytime you have a group of people, that group of people takes on its own personality. Yeah. Right? They're not they're not operating in a vacuum. It's not like judges at a boxing match, each casting their scorecard, and then we find out right. when the ring announcer reads them off what the other people thought. It's going to be a collaborative process, and I think that is uh, the, the challenge here. If you're going to do it, you have to take into account the the group dynamic yep. and how it may affect the process. I, I'm fine with Blandino coming back and doing it. And, you know, again, he left because of the money and because of the job demands. And the, the NFL can afford it, and the NFL has the incentive to do it. With all the money they're going to make off of legalized gambling, the biggest mistake they could make is not devote enough of it to buttoning up their procedures. And it's not just Blandino. Yeah, right. It's... You know, embracing technology as it relates to your officiating function, coming up with innovative ways to ensure that the calls are right. You can no longer accept human error when the, basically the outcome of games becomes no different than whether a stock goes up or down in price in a given day. And if you screw around with that stuff, you're going to have a federal agency that is created yeah. to oversee professional sports. You're going to have federal prosecutors that start sniffing around 
for corruption when there's enough evidence of incompetence that people are going to be like, oh, it can't be incompetence. There has to be something else going on. That should be the NFL's biggest fear at this point. At, at a time when it should be thrilled with all the money it's going to make off of gambling, yeah, right. it should be fearful of what that gambling reality is going to do. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you with a lot of what you said there. And, you know, to, to what you're saying, too, okay, you know, that, that, you know, even more. I want three guys there. I want the owners and Roger Goodell to have a guy there to watch the three guys to make sure what you just said a few minutes ago doesn't happen where they're going, oh, okay, I went with you on this one, but the next one you got to go with me on, like to make sure that that doesn't go. Peel back the curtain, make the consumers feel good. Have a camera in there for a little bit during every, every Sunday, just to show how it's working, to give confidence to everybody out there that man, the NFL, hey, it might not be getting everything right, but wow, do they have some procedure and checklist here with three really smart football minds and a guy overseeing them to where I think you would silence a lot of the bull crap and critics right. and conspiracy theories that way. I don't know if that's realistic, but that's you're just, right. No, no, you know? no, no. But wait a minute. We've seen the AAF do it last year and the XFL is doing it now. In the absence of transparency, that's when people get out the tinfoil and make their hats. That's what happens. If it's all transparent, it's all out in the open, it's impossible to say there's a conspiracy theory. Well, it's not impossible. There'll still be people who do. Yeah. But if there's transparency, there's less reason for people to say, hmm, I wonder what's really going on behind the curtain. Pull the curtain back. Right. Let us see how the sausage is made. Right. And, and, and oh, well, well we, we're uncomfortable with uh, what pre- – no, don't be uncomfortable. Everybody else is operating out there for all of us to see. That's you expect right. the players yeah. to operate on a high wire without a net. You do it too. Right. And if the people who are doing it aren't good enough, you find somebody who is. It's that simple. I think so. I think you're right. I think we're on to something. Really, I really do. That would be the approach I would take right now. I mean, just with as controversial as that was for our 100th season, they got to do something to, you know, ease the coach's pain, ease you guys like you and me, the normal fan, all of that. Uh, and I'd be interested to see if the NFL can make it happen, especially with Dean Blandino. I mean, what is Dean? Can Dean be hired back by the NFL at any time? Does he have contract years left on his deal at Fox Sports? How well, is- well, yeah. I have a feeling that Fox, which is a partner of the NFL, very would true. probably find a way very true, to right. uh, release Dean Blandino from his obligation. They still have Mike Pereira. Um, but, uh, you know, look, Blandino's valuable there. He's, he, he explains it well. He does. And, and, the, and Fox sees the value. And you know, look, we've seen look, with the officials who leave, they retire, they choose to walk away to go work in TV. Now it's less stressful, but you, you know, you got to come up with the cash, man. It's it's it. That's how it. That's how it works. That's how the world works. And if you value the position, and there are people who have alternatives, and they can make more money somewhere else, how can you expect them not to go do that? They have an obligation to their family to go make the money. And uh, and at some point, you know, a sport that is flush with cash needs to take care of those jobs that could ultimately undermine the broader effort to make money and remain viable if you've got Congress and uh, the Justice Department chasing you all over the place. Let's take a break. Uh, Got wind this morning of the very strong possibility that the day has come for the NFL Players Association to cast their ballots on a new CBA. I have some thoughts about how this is all going to play out. I'm sure Chris does too, and we'll talk about that next right here on PFT Live. The NFL Players Association and the NFL's lawyers have been working to turn 
the term sheet into a full-blown collective bargaining agreement, a long-form document. Once that's ready, a vote can happen. I'm told that about 2 a.m. Eastern time, the lawyers finished their work, Chris, and a vote could start as soon as today for the NFLPA. My understanding is it'll all be done electronically. You can't do it team by team because the teams aren't together. There'll be a system and a process for the players to cast their ballots. There are 1,900 or so dues-paying members. They're all eligible to vote, and the vote prevails if a majority of the guys who actually vote say yes they accept the new CBA. It doesn't have to be a majority of all members, just a majority of whoever votes. So it's a majority of the turnout, just like it is for any other election. Yeah, it's not right. a majority of everyone who's out there, a majority of who actually shows up and says yes or no. Yeah, uh, it's interesting they're doing it that way. I mean, I just feel like this is this kind of thing's usually done when a team is together, right? And they're all in the facility where there can be conversation. I think you're going to have a lot of guys because so much of this has been done after the season that are going to vote and be really uninformed of some of the details of the deal itself and not really know what's going on. And that's where I get, I think this vote could be very close. I don't know where you feel like on this. I think ultimately the vote's going to pass, but I think this will be close. I do because Chris, I just, Chris, yeah. I th- Chris, Go let, ahead. Me, let me, let me, let hear me give you my yeah. thoughts on this, right? Here, here's why I think it won't be close. Okay. Let, let's, let's look at it this way. And, and you played in the league eight, nine years. Any given year, any given team, let's come up with a, a fair number of starting jobs that aren't in question from one year to the next. How right. much carryover is there on a given team? What way is it 15, 16, 17 out of 22? Is that fair? Yeah, you mean the start out of just the starters yeah. that way? Yeah. The I would guys say- who know the guys who know when the season ends, right. I got a job next year. Yeah. I'm not gonna get my Kahune's squeeze to take less or right. maybe get cut. I got a job waiting for me. I'm going to play. I'm established in this league. How many guys on a given roster have that luxury? Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's around the number you mentioned there. Probably realistically, right? Yeah, 15 to 20, something like that. Not all the guys are starters, right? Some might be a big-time special teams player or he knows he's a really valuable backup at a position and the starter's in trouble. So, yeah, okay, I would say around that, though. Somewhere between 15 and 20. Yeah. I'll go 20. Cool. Let's go, let's go the high end. Yeah. Because uh, I don't think it changes the point. Right. 53 guys on a roster. Right. Right? Right. And then there's an extra 10 guys on the practice squad. Yeah. So there's 63. Right. 63. That's how we get to 1,900 here right. because you're factoring in all the dues-paying members. So let's just say 60. Right. To keep it at a round number. Gotcha. 60 total spots, 60 total votes. 20 of the guys on a given team know that their job is there. They're going to be playing. And if it expands to 17, they're going to have to go out and play that 17th game. And damn it, I don't really want to do it. That means there's 40 guys, two-thirds of a roster, who fall into that category of – I don't know if I'm going to have a job next year. I don't know if I'm going to play. I don't care about playing 17 games. I'm worried about playing one game. Yeah. I'm worried about making a salary. I'm worried about paying my bills. I'm worried about still playing football. You're telling me that they're bumping up the minimum salary if I make the team and they're doing this and they're doing that and they're expanding the rosters and they're creating more jobs in the practice squad and there's no longer a limit on years of experience that would keep me off the practice squad. There's a lot of stuff in there that if you look at the two-thirds, the two-thirds are going to say, hell yes, I vote in favor of this because it helps me. Yeah. The, the burden of playing that extra game only applies 
to one-third of the roster. The other two-thirds don't care about the extra game because they're not playing in many games anywhere. When they do play, they're only out there for a few snaps at a time. That's why I think it's going to be a landslide. Okay, all right. So this is where – and listen, I don't know. You're right. I mean, I'm betting that it does pass. I'm with you. I think that's where I'd argue about it being a landslide is out of that two-thirds you're talking about, I would say one-third are uninformed about really what's going on. They've jumped behind the theme of I don't want to play another game and beat up my body but and do they, that. But, but, but I wait, know. Hold but on. They're hold. not playing. I know. They're not playing well, 16 games. It, they're still preparing all week, and they might not be playing like, yes, they might not be playing 65 snaps a game to what you're saying, but they still could be playing, you know, 40 snaps, 20 snaps. But here, my hey. last point, okay? Okay, my last thing, I'm just giving a other side of this. Out of those 20 guys you talked about, right, who are the guys who feel like, hey, I'm safe, I'm on the roster, I'm making money, all those things. The other issue there is, more times than not, those guys you're talking about that are the staples of that franchise – they are the best leaders and best people in the locker room and the one that a lot of players listen to. Like people in San Francisco, there's players there that are going to listen to Richard Sherman. There just is. There's going to be a faction of guys in the locker room that go, Richard's smart. He's a baller on the field. I know he's got. He's trying to do this for the best interests of me, the player, and all of us, the player. And I think there'll be a certain amount of guys that are going to get behind people like Richard Sherman or the Pouncey Twins or whatever it may be and not maybe really know all the details for themselves to research it that way. That's the only reason I'm saying I think it might be closer. I'll be hey, interested. I'm I, not saying I'm right. I've said, I said earlier this week that you have good instincts. You may have got gotten them in part from your mom, Diana, but your dad, <laughs> a.k.a. the big effer. I'm, I've got the article from yeah. June 5. Remember, it created a little bit of a stir. Right. He said, hey, if it comes down to it, the players are going to vote for it. Because here's the thing, Chris, you get another check. You get I know. more money. But, and, and, and not only do you get another check, but the minimums go up. I, I'm just saying, all things considered, and I hear what you're saying about the guys who are kind of checked out. But uh, what do you I say landslide they, then? Like what kind of numbers? Like I, I, I think it's going to be like I'd 55, say, 45. That's what I'm going to say. Think, I think at least 60 percent. Yes, I think that's what it's going to be. OK, uh, but we'll see. We'll All see. Right. We'll bet that we'll at dinner we'll after this. 34 years from today, Michael Irvin, if he lives that long, will be 88. That means he's 54 today. We're mentioning that because, number one, happy birthday, Michael Irvin. Number two, we're using his birthday as an inspiration for our draft. The 88 number, an iconic one in Dallas. You have to be a special player to wear it, and most of the players who have in Dallas, starting with Drew Pearson, have been very special. So, all-time favorite number 88's Chris Sim. That is today's draft. Let's have some fun with this one, and uh, let's start by me getting the trivia question wrong. Lay it on me. Well, this is the I gotta say this first off. My first experience with Michael Irving, who I absolutely love, and has just treated me just phenomenal. Yeah. Okay, was, was your first experience him saying to you, "My name's not Irving"? <laughs> Irving, sorry. Uh, he knows I butcher <laughs> the English language uh, routinely, so he understands. But you know, when my dad retired, I became a Cowboys fan. I loved Troy Aikman and I loved Michael Irving, and that was the combo that excited 
excited me. My dad got his jersey retired on a Monday night football, if you remember, with the Cowboys versus the Giants, right? So the game. Oh, I remember you were there with that. I don't know what you know, the flock of seagulls haircut. Is that going right? Yeah. yeah, it was a real hot look right then. It really was. But <laughs> either way, so the game is over, and you know, my dad was talking to some cowboy people and stuff as we're going to the car. We're gonna go across the street from the stadium to the hotel because my dad has Kentucky family there. We're gonna go hang out with them for a little bit. We walk into the hotel and I see a ruckus at the bar and you're going, man, what the hell's going on in the bar at the hotel? I just saw the Cowboys team buses pull away. So they're gone. Wait, there's Michael Irvin on top of the bar dancing and getting the crowd crazy because they just got a big win. And I was like, man, that guy's the man. So that was my story. Sorry. That was my first experience of him. Whoa. Holy crap. Please erase that. Erase, erase. Yeah. Were were they, were they playing? I ran so far away when you went to the bar. Is that what he was dancing to? You'd have fit right in. (laughs) You're funny. You're funny. (laughs) My sister, my brother. Hey, there's Barbara Sims. There's big Phil's mom who I always say you know could play linebacker in the NFL if she trained right back in the day all right here we go and dirty Diana right, my question. mom Michael Irvin had 11 100 games in 1995 which set the NFL record I, I didn't even I forgot about this since then only one other player has tied Irvin's record for 100 yard receiving games in a season who is that player Calvin Johnson 2012 wow yeah that was Yep. That was that was kind of easy, but good job by you. I forgot that Michael Irvin had that streak back there in '95. That is that's phenomenal. Now is Michael Irvin uh, eligible for the draft? <laughs> of course, he's got to. If he's not the first pick for is, you, is, something's is, wrong is with you. Is Michael Irving? Is Michael Irving <laughs> eligible for the draft? Oh, uh, sorry, I'm not going Michael Irvin or Michael Irving. I am going with Alan Page, baby, the first number 88 that I ever became aware of. A guy who would go to be. Uh, go on to be a Supreme Court justice in Minnesota, Notre Dame educated, 225-pound defensive tackle, threw guys around except when it was time to block the run in the Super Bowl, but that's a different issue altogether. Alan Page, somewhere in my house, and this drives me crazy, when we made our move six years ago, I've got a white jersey just like that one on the screen. They made them like in the mid-'90s, old-school thick like a sweater with the numbers stitched on. It's white with the 88 and the LSU uh, uh, shoulder stripes, and I can't find it anywhere. Alan Page, number one. Absolutely. Great, great uniform. I would like to see you uh, sport that. I mean, and come on, the fact that he's a defensive lineman and wearing 88 to go along with it is uh, is phenomenal. And wait, is Alan Page the one that went the wrong way or is that Jim Marshall? Which one am I talking about? Jim Marshall. About? It's all right. Sorry. Jim I, Marshall. I got, I got it confused there. All right. Well, I'm going with Michael. Happy birthday, Michael Irvin. You're the man, the playmaker. Yeah, I got to pick him. He's my favorite 88 of all time. I mean, he is. He played. Now, five minutes ago, you called him Michael Irving. You are. This is, this is a <laughs> disgusting display. <laughs> He's my favorite 88 of all time. Michael Irvin knows that. It's my man right there. And I used to love watching him play I used to love watching him do his first down thing and how he came out of the tunnel there for Super Bowl 30 that we showed a little earlier with the Super Bowl clips like to have some fun off the field too you know I like to have some fun too right so he's my kind of guy man my kind of guy the playmaker whoop whoop <laughs> all right all right, you done? You done texting now? You ready to continue the draft? Uh, no, I, no, I'm doing a little research. I got an idea for my third round pick. Here's my second round pick, and this one is going to blow your mind, baby, because I'm not picking 
an NFL player for my second pick. I'm picking a college player, and that would be a guy who would have been number 88 as a rookie with the Minnesota Vikings, but number 88 was retired for Allen Page. He became number 84. At Marshall, he was 88, and he was unstoppable, and his name is Randy Moss. And I'm disappointed he never wore 88 anywhere in the NFL that he played. Remember, he was 81, I think, with the Raiders, and then 81 again. No, he was 18 with the Raiders, and then he was 81 with the Patriots. I've always wanted to see him wear 88 again. That was his number in college. Uh, there's that great highlight of him against Army where, I mean, the, the, he, the guy's like a, it's like a giant came down from the beanstalk and decided I'm going to play football with these little kids, jumping over guys. He had that long stride where it didn't look like he was moving all that fast, but he was covering so much ground. So Randy Moss, Marshall University, number 88, that's my number two. Well, that's it is really good. I mean, it's very creative of you. I mean, but we got so many good 88s that have worn 88 in the NFL. Well, go ahead. Bro, you, then don't complain. I just find don't it, complain. I just find You've it disrespectful. Got very something. snarky of you, You've Mr. Got Florio the whole, down there. It's not snarky. Jeez. Go ahead. All the great go 88s. Ahead. I mean, okay. You go ahead. You go ahead and make the obvious selections, and I will I will make the ones that entertain the audience. Okay. I, I mean, I want to pick Drew Pearson because I just want to show the highlight of him catching the Hail Mary so we can crap on oh, your Vikings. Oh, they're going to show it anyway. But I oh, don't they're going to pick show him it anyway. because I don't believe he's the next. I got to go with Tony Gonzalez as the next big time. Yeah, just show. Let's talk about it. Ooh, come on, Cowboys. Here we go. Florio's sitting at the TV. He's 12 years old, and he's very exciting. 10, my Vikings are going to go to the Super Bowl. Yippee, are they going to go to the NFC Championship game? Ah, not so fast. Captain comeback, Roger Stallback, touchdown. Eat it, Vikings, eat it. All right, I really want to pick Tony Gonzalez, though, okay, for everybody out there. I mean, Tony Gonzalez is hands down one of the three best tight ends in the history of the NFL. I mean, what he did all 2000s decade team, you know, all the receptions he had, you know, what was it? How many freaking Pro Bowls did he go to? What is it? 14 Pro Bowls. I mean, really, he was really the first of his kind where he was just a true like mismatch in the pass game. And never, you know, we've seen talented tight ends, don't get me wrong, but he was like rare to where he was the size of the traditional tight end, but you could split him out and do wide receiver type things with him. So I got to go with Tony Gonzalez as the second 88 here. Yeah, uh, I, I that, look, that that's not a bad choice. And there are a lot of great NFL 88s, and I mean none of them any disrespect. Oh, you disrespect When I choose Dis- Randy Moss. Disrespect, disrespect. Well, if 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 they were disrespected in round two, they're gonna love round three. Oh, here because we go. Because I'm going to a different sport altogether, baby. <laughs> I'm going to the NHL, and I'm going to a guy whose first career game I personally attended in 1992 in the Civic Arena in Pittsburgh. It was the Flyers at the Penguins, and it was Eric Lindros who ended up being a Hall of Famer. He was supposed to be so much better than he ultimately was. But I love in hockey how we started to see that 99. Gretzky, 66, Lemieux, yeah. 55, 77, right? And 88, and the only 88 that comes to mind in any other sport for me is Eric Lindros. I was at his first game back in 1992. So, boom, sorry, Marvin Harrison. Sorry, Drew Pearson. Sorry, Des Bryant. Sorry, anyone else that ever wore number 88 in the NFL. Sorry, Johnny Mackey. Sorry, Lynn Swan. Sorry, all those Hall of Famers in the NFL. Take any of them. You know, ahead, the, take jerk, any of them. the jerk down in West Virginia has got to be all creative. On, favorite 88s Eric Lindros I mean geez I mean go ahead okay what do you got go ahead 
Favorite 88s. That's I know. the that's the the term that's in here. Not favorite 88 in the NFL. Yeah, well, I oh. know. But the last time I checked, you the know, name Big of the Cat show is Pro Football Talk, great. right? It's pro- I do it, and I get a bunch of crap. Well, he's a nitwit, Big Cat. So of course that. I mean, he does that. We know that. I mean, he didn't become Big, big Cat Barstool or whatever the hell his nickname is for <laughs> nothing. I think it's Irving. <laughs> Irving Big Cat. Uh, I man, I don't even know where I want to go here. I don't. I mean, oh, you just rattled off ten of them. I know that's why it's hard. I'm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Lynn Swan though. I'm gonna go with Lynn Swan. I really. I mean, I feel disrespectful to Marvin Harrison and John Mackey. I feel bad for both of them. They're amazing. But Lynn Swan, I don't know. I just go into a guy that won four Super Bowls, Hall of Fame wide receiver, had arguably you know two of the greatest catches we've ever seen in Super Bowl history. Here's one of them in the. Same, in the same game. game, right? I mean, that's insane. Look at this. Oh, jump ball. Just so graceful. Awesome. I mean, he was awesome throughout his whole career, whether it was at USC or Pittsburgh. That's, yeah. Oh, that angle's all. And then there was a touchdown in that game, too. There, were, he had there it is awesome right there. In that I game. mean, yeah. And then he won the MVP of the Super Bowl this game, right? This was, yeah, yes. this was his MVP. But yeah, I he gotta, got his bronze bust in that game. You look at his career. Uh uh-uh. uh. That game, yes, yes, that's how he's in. You're camp. probably you're probably right. Yeah, you're right. It's part of being a great team, but I think you know. I think still, nonetheless, if Lynn Swan was playing in this era, would be a Hall of Fame type talent and receiver too. Uh, so, man, no disrespect. Sorry, Mr. Mackey. Sorry, uh, Marvin Harrison. I'm just glad Drew Pearson didn't make it, and I was hoping that I wouldn't have to see that damn highlight again. That his name wouldn't even come up. You know, you should have had to pick him because you mentioned the play, the Hail Mary play from the 1975 playoffs. And you enjoy the fact that there was a 10-year-old boy who is still, you know, in that moment frozen in time, is still there, laying on his kitchen floor, crying into the carpet. Who the hell has carpet in their kitchen? We did in 1975. And I was right in the spot where I had dropped a banana cream pie and there was a stain that never came out of the carpet. And I bawled and squalled right into that old banana cream pie stain after this game. So screw all of you. Wah, wah, wah. Eat it, 10-year-old Florio. Eat it. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're, you are uh, at 55 years old. And when the four. Vikings and their quarterback do well, you like to crap on them like you don't hey, root for hey, them. So I'm confused uh, uh, anyway. Let me say this. Let me say this. Let me say this. I, and I, I, I told someone this recently. That was the low point of my childhood. And if that's the low point of your childhood, that's a pretty good childhood. Uh, Yes, it is. If that's the worst memory of growing up, then growing up wasn't all that bad. So, uh, all right, uh, let's recap our favorite 88s. Uh, Alan Page for me, Randy Moss at Marshall for me, Eric Lindros, Hall of Famer from the NHL for me, Michael Irvin, not Irving for Chris, Tony Gonzalez, and Lynn Swan. That was fun. That was fun. Good idea by Stats. And uh, one of the staples of this program, our, our daily draft. We always come up with something, and uh, it's usually something fun. We're going to take a break. When we return, we're going to look at the poll question for the day. Not that we have one every day, but we have one today. Where do you want to see Tom Brady play in 2020? We'll let you know what Twitter thinks about that when we continue with PFT Live right after this. Tom Brady, of course, the uncertainty about his future this week, very relaxed. I just don't know what's going to happen, and, you know, I'm not going to predict it. Tom's, you know, an iconic figure in this organization, and nobody respects Tom more than I do. I think Brady has reached his lifetime limit of dealing with a jerk like Bill Belichick. He wants to get his butt kissed. Both cheeks, baby. The future unclear. 
for Tom Brady. I love playing for this team for two decades and, and winning a lot of games. I just I don't know what it looks like moving forward. Two decades done for Tom Brady's career. Where will the third decade commence? Will it be in New England? Will it be elsewhere? We have put the question out to you on Twitter. My goodness, 16,000 already have voted this morning. Don't you people have jobs? Uh, I'm kidding. I know you have jobs, and we appreciate you finding a way. Who voted 49ers? Who keeps voting on the PFT Twitter account? I did not cast that vote, although if I had voted, I would have cast that vote. Uh, (laughs) Where do you want to see Brady play in 2020? Patriots 40%, Titans 17.1, 49ers 16.4, Somewhere else, 26.1. And, you know, for me, I mean, the ultimate chaos scenario and the greatest level of entertainment would yeah. be if he plays for the Cowboys, Chris. But uh, 49ers are pretty good, too. 49ers at Patriots, game of the decade, especially if Jimmy Garoppolo ends up back in New England. And the 49ers play at Dallas. They play at New Orleans. They play in New York twice against the Jets and the Giants. Wow. A great, great schedule. And, and also at Seattle, at L.A., at Arizona. So, you know, people who don't get to see Tom Brady play very often, if he does sign with the 49ers, they're going to see him play. Uh, and the 49ers fans obviously get to see him eight times. I I, I want to see him with the Patriots. That was where my vote would go. It would. But I do think that you got the right two. I, to me, it's those two teams or, not, or nothing. I, to, I, I don't know. I mean, just somebody try, try to make sense to me of some other team that would make sense. You know, there's just there's no way. I just don't see him going to Indianapolis. I don't think they're quite there yet. I think they're on their road to being like, you know, a Super Bowl contender. But the Andrew Luck thing threw them off. And I think there's some spots they have to address on their team. I just look at the Titans and the 49ers and go, you know, the, the, that's it. That's if he doesn't if he's not with the Patriots, it's going to be one of those two. He's going to go somewhere where he thinks he can win a Super Bowl this year. I truly believe that. I think it is is about legacy, about showing he can win one without Belichick and all of those type of things. And that's why I just, I don't know if I can really make a logical case for any other team besides those two. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And look, I still think it's going to be New England when it's all said and done, but who knows? Who yeah. knows? I mean, if he if he does make an overture to the 49ers and they are willing to say no thank you and willing to assume the risk that it gets out at some point that he made an overture and the 49ers said no thank you, then it comes down to Tennessee and New England. And, you know, Tom Curran had the item over the weekend that I thought was excellent. It, it pointed out that, you know, you've got a place where you have familiarity, you have certainty, and you you don't want to necessarily uproot your life right. and uh, and go to a new place at this point in your career. So I, I think it will be the Patriots as well. At the Brain Damager said, how about including the city with the second best odds, clown? That was directed at you, not me. Las Vegas, no shot in hell he's going to San Francisco. I wouldn't say no shot in hell, but you know, I, I think it's I think it's remote, but I think it has to be on the radar screen. And until we get something from the 49ers to put cold water on this. Right. As their players start talking about it, right. the longer that that goes, the, 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 then it is a thing. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, it is a thing. There, there's no doubt about that. You know, again, I just I go back to Deion Sanders and just go, 
I just don't think Deion Sanders pulled this out of his butt out of nowhere. You know, Deion Sanders is a very smart guy. I know he's got a great gut feel for the NFL, but I would think somebody led him down the road that way. That would just be my two cents there. And then we just heard too many other people who speculate about it to tell me that they've at least heard rumors or whatever it may be. I don't think there's any way, hey, uh, what's his name? At, at the Brian uh, Damager, at the Brain Damager. Okay, sorry. <laughs> at the Brian Damager. Yeah. He, you're, you're not uh, – he's not going to Las Vegas. I'm sorry. That's just not happening. Oh. oh with like so much uncertainty on that team right now. There's just no way. Those odds are from last week too. I'd like to see what the updated odds are because I have a feeling the 49ers are on the board now somewhere. Yeah, right, right. right. Somewhere they would be on that list uh, of of potential destinations. Uh, J.K. Rousem says Winnipeg or maybe Saskatchewan. Come on. Very come on, funny. Don't, don't, hate, don't hate the GOAT. And Raider Mike says retirement home. Look, he's playing. And, and he's still better than at least half the quarterbacks in the league, Chris. You would say, yeah. I think he's still top 10. You got to put him on a team with a line, and you got to put him on a team with guys who can actually run routes and catch passes. There, he didn't yeah. have that last year. You're he didn't right. have a guy who commands double coverage. That's the key. No doubt about that. You're, you're, you're right about all of those things. Listen, there's a lot to still really like about Tom Brady. You know that there's only one issue to me in the evaluation of Brady. You know, and I think this is something that if the 49ers, the Titans were going to go down this road, to me, this would be the, the, the biggest question. And that is, okay, just to lay out an example. If there's a, let's say, a 20-yard in-cut, right? And then in front of that, the slot receiver is running a little option route at like five or six yards. My big issue with Brady right now more than anything is he's very quick to throw that five-yard throw. He's not willing to stand in there and maybe take the shot or the punishment he'll have to take to hit that 20-yard in-cut to make a 25- or 30-yard game. That's really my only complaint about him right, right now. But that's a big, right. that's a big issue. On our way out the door, October 6, 1992, the Eric Lindros debut at the Civic Arena. Oh do we my have it? Gosh. Do we have it? Play it real quick here. Do we have the B-roll of it? I was told we do, and I guess we don't. There it is. There it is. Lindros scored a goal. It was a 3-3 three to three tie, October 6, 1992. I was there. There I am. There I am. No, that's not me. Great. You picked a <laughs> hockey player for a football draft. Have a great. great day. <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.